Guests and employees report the sound of children playing in the hallway, even though no children were staying at the hotel at the time. Furniture being moved around in the rooms above, even when the room was on the top floor. Unexplained temperature changes, things going missing only to be returned or never seen again, and ghost sightings. The small city of Sauk Centre lies in Stearns County, Minnesota, and has few things to make it notable other than a famous sun, and the Palmer House Hotel, which is said to be haunted. Welcome to this week's episode of True Hauntings, where we go back to the USA and look at the infamous Palmer Hotel. Hi, my name is Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich, and this is the True Hauntings Podcast. <laughs> Anne and Renata. <laughs> Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome back to the studio, Miss Anne, and welcome to everyone that is listening from far and wide. We do send a thank you out to all of you gorgeous listeners who keep on coming back every week. Our podcast will be coming out every Friday. So please look out for it to drop into your social media. iTunes, whatever it is. Yeah, wherever it is, go find it. Make sure you subscribe and like, and uh, you will receive a new episode every Friday. Unless we've died, and then we'll send an EVP. Oh, my gosh. Don't say that. (laughs) And as the dark clouds mingle outside and a storm starts to brew, maybe we can get on with the story tonight, Anne. Oh, that was very spooky, Renata. I know. It wasn't dark and stormy when my husband and I arrived at the Palmer House Hotel that day in November last year, but it was gloomy. The wind had kicked up, leaves skittered, and the light was fading fast. Alas, no woman wearing a red turban greeted us in the lobby as we checked in, only people staring from historical photographs. A player piano stood in the corner, A gigantic clock hung over the front desk. We stayed in room 11. It and room 17 are considered particularly active, according to the website, although I learned from Free Slater that if they are going to play, spirits will appear anywhere in the hotel. As we checked in, we were told that room 11 was sometimes colder than the rest of the rooms and that some guests had reported the sensation of a cat jumping on the bed and walking across the covers. A ghost cat didn't sound so bad, but I was feeling a little creeped out. 
staying at the Palmer House Hotel was my idea. I had thought it would be fun to celebrate our 13th anniversary in a haunted hotel. Ghosts seemed more appropriate than lace, the traditional 13th anniversary gift. But in May, our anniversary arrived and I chickened out. I guess my birthday gave me courage. Room 11 at the far end of the hotel, one of the room's two windows looked out over Main Street and through the other we could see the parking lot at the back of the hotel. Near the door was a desk. The bathroom had a curtain for a door. A bed and a TV were the only other items in the room. We left our bags and went across the street to a restaurant called Sock Hop. Get it? <laughs> Sadly, the Sock Hop has since changed ownership and it's now called Nick's Diner. An injection of malt shop decor, 1950s memorabilia, Elvis Presley tubes, a cheeseburger and a milkshake later, we found ourselves walking around Sock Centre, finally stopping for a game of pool at the Red Carpet Bar and Grill next door to the Palmer House. After that, there was nothing left to do but go back to the room. As so often happens when we stay in hotels with cable TV, we don't have it at home. There was nothing worth watching and we settled on ghost adventures on the Travel Channel. Coincidence? (laughs) Next was a little Saturday Night Live and then it was time for bed. I couldn't sleep. My husband went to sleep immediately. I lay tense, waiting for something to happen. I could hear the wedding reception downstairs going strong, but eventually that ended and it was just me staring into the darkness. I must have fallen asleep because the sound of a cat meowing woke me up. A cat meowing? A cat meowing? My eyes flew open. I strained to hear more, but all was quiet, except for the hammering of my heart, of course. It took a while to fall asleep again, but I did, after a long inner dialogue about what a cat could reasonably do in wandering the halls of a hotel in the middle of the night. At 3am, a loud thud as if someone from the floor above had dropped from waist height a big suitcase stuffed with clothes or something heavier. My husband continued to sleep through the whole thing, but that was it for me. I lay awake until the sun came up. As we checked out the next day, I thought about asking whether guests had been staying in the room above us or whether a cat had free reign of the hotel at night, but I couldn't do it. When it came right down to it, I just didn't want to know, and still don't. Now, Anne. Yes? You've got a beautiful big smile on your face there, Renata. I seem to have stuffed up majorly. (laughs) This is hilarious. With this one. (laughs) 
Oh. I was so proud of myself. I came in with notes. Oh, I remember yes. telling you how difficult it was to find information mm. on the history of this place. And then I said, I have hit pay dirt. You hit the mother load. I remember I've you were so got excited. Pages and pages of stuff on the Palmer House. And I've come in, I've read through it, I've circled things, I've I've marked off things oh, no, with a, a pink the, marker. The pink highlighter is everywhere. Yeah, and I've gone and I've sat down. And I've looked at your notes and I've looked at mine and I've gone, uh-oh. What's this about Sork, Minnesota? I thought we were in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tinana. Yeah, so apparently there is a Palmer house in um, Chicago as well. And that, see, the thing that stumped me was uh, part of the history of it was that it burnt down very quickly after it was built. Mm. Same as the one in Chicago. Yeah. So I was completely thrown and now I can chuck all that in the bin uh, unless we do the Palmer House in Chicago. (laughs) And I came in and I went, okay, what do I do now? And I have to say I'm super impressed because this wizard of a woman, she sat down through her laptop open and went to work and got her notes all organised. She's ready to go. The tongue is poking out between the lips in pure excitement of this wonderful knowledge she has to share. And you've got pages and pages of it, I hear. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of these weird places where you look for uh, historical information and there is actually very little. Uh, I know you unearthed a lot and everywhere that I went there were plenty of ghost stories, like masses of them. Yeah, and but I've, I've, got little... informa- I've got information about that as well. Okay. So, yeah, right. it's a bit... bit dodge. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, let's let's start with what I managed to bring together and uh, then let's go to the ghost stories. So before it was called the Palmer House, it was actually called Sork Centre House during the 1800s. And the Americans probably say Sark. I don't know, but I think the joke was about the Sork Hop, the Sork. The Sark Hop. Sork Hop. Ah, Sark. Sark Hop. (laughs) Okay, we've just lost our American friends. We've lost the American audience. (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. You try saying g'day, mate. Uh, So it was not exactly the family destination back then uh, since it housed a number of unsavoury characters. Did it? Attracted by its wild ways of booze, gambling and prostitution. Oh, I like the sound of this place. Back in Minnesota. Oh, you naughty Minnesotians. Now, doesn't Dave Schrader come from Minnesota? I'm not sure. Oh, Dave. We'll have to check out all this action that's happened in Minnesota. We'll have to come visit. Mm. But... On the 26th of June, 1900, the Sock Centre house conveniently burnt to the ground. And look, I have to say, yet again, this is mysteriously mirroring the other Palmer house in Chicago. Yeah, that's that weird. Burnt, burnt down literally 13 days after it was built. 13 days? Yes. <gasps> and hang on, didn't the Stanley Hotel, Estes Park, Colorado, also have a big fire just as they were opening? Yes. What is it with these hotels? I don't know. Where are they built? Does anyone know of any other hotels that were built around this time and then when they opened they burnt down not long afterwards? Mm. Send us a, a little note in the comments somewhere yeah. on Facebook or wherever. There, a pattern is There's emerging. A pattern. We've, we've discovered something here. So all of uh, all 
which remained of this Sock Centre house were the foundation rocks, which is still present in the basement of the Palmer House. So the residents of the Sock Centre didn't shed many tears over the burning embers of this particular house. And no, no lives were lost in it, I believe? No. 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 They kind of considered that... It was a good thing was that it the place burned an down. an eyesore sort of thing? A, an eyesore and the sins. Oh, the wives would the, be the happy. The sins that, of all that had been occurring yep. inside the walls. The husbands would not need to be tempted no more. There'd be no wandering willies. Mm. But that changed very quickly because in 1901, Ralph and Christina Palmer saw an opportunity with the empty lot which stood on the main street of central Minnesota. Oh, hot property. So they did not let expense hold them back and they poured in some hefty funds to construct what turned out to be one of the most modernised hotel hotels in the state of Minnesota during that time. And when you look at photos of it, it's not an attractive building from the outside. No, it's, it's horrid. It's just like one of those um, American horror story hotels. It's like a Lego block house, straight yeah. walls, All round, no Mm -hmm. features to it at all. So the Palmer House boasted um, the only hotel with indoor plumbing and Ah. electricity outside the Minneapolis area. That's what it was. So so it was the fact that you could go down the hallway and have a a communal bathroom because I dare say you wouldn't have have had a bathroom in each room. Mm. They probably had just the communal ones. Um, But that was good enough because it was inside. Yeah, didn't have to go out in the snow. Mm. The hotel attracted a bevy of well-known celebrities, uh, and we don't know any of these because we're too too young. Um, Sorry, who's too young? <laughs> Just open up the door on that one, Renata. Hit him for a home run. Um, now I don't know this first bloke, Cole Younger. Um, he completely escapes me, but I know Lorne Green. Oh, <gasps> Lorne Green. <laughs> If anybody um, doesn't know the theme, um, they would show a map and then they would light it and it would go. They'd light it from the inside out if I remember correctly. And it was a show called Hopsing. Hopsing, remember Hopsing? What? She's lost it. I've got no idea what she's talking about. Hopsing, hopsing. The, the poor Chinaman that worked for for the for the family. Nope, I don't remember that. Oh, you I've do. wiped, I've wiped that from my mind. Oh, uh, he was the first introduction of, a, I think, an, an Asian character. Oh, um, hopsing. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Just everyone's going to go looking for Bonanza. Uh, it was a story about a family who, um, yeah, were. Had a ranch. Had a ranch. Yeah, it's called Bonanza. And Lawn Green, we digress very badly. <laughs> Lawn Green was the father, he, he was the patriarch. Yes. Uh, and also several Minnesotian governors also would stay there. Nobel Prize winner Sinclair Lewis referred to the hotel as the mini mashy house in his 1920 novel Main Street, which was literally all about that township. Yes. Uh, it, was a de- it was the destination to go back to then 
Kelly Freeze, who owned the Palmer House at one stage, would say the hotel also had all the amenities of a comfortable stay, including a pub and a restaurant, along with a gorgeous high ceiling lobby. Oh, nice! Now, what was the name of the that that fellow again? The the um, Nobel Prize winner or whatever it was. Sinclair Lewis. Sinclair Lewis. Now he wrote a book which um, I think you mentioned there and he referred to the town as something. Apparently this book was about the most boring town in America uh, and it was based on Sork and uh, he uh, used actual people in the town uh, and gave them obviously different names and things but made no real attempt to conceal who they were. Everybody knew who each character represented, and they were a little bit dirty with him because he made them all out to be really boring and they didn't think they were boring, but they were. Well, they call him like one of the main things that ever came out of Minnesota. There there wasn't much that came out of that town, (laughs) so that was it. And um, being a Nobel Prize winner, what can you say? But anyway, and he used to be a bellhop there. That was his. That was his claim to fame: is that he was a bellhop there. From small beginnings. Yep. So since Sork Centre was also centralised in the state and a rail railroad running through the town, the hotel collected many railroad workers, migrants and visitors throughout the nation who were passing through. But as time progressed, the Palmer House started to age as past owners let the building fall apart. Even for a period of time, the Palmer House sat empty. But in 1993, the hotel endured an ambitious makeover as the renovation included restoring the beautiful hand-carved woodwork in the hotel and keeping its historical atmosphere intact. So the renovation also included making the guest rooms larger, turning it into a 22-room hotel instead of the 38-room hotel that it had been. By 2002, after going through three ownerships, the Palmer House once again stood empty and this time it was threatened to be condemned and torn down. Oh, no. So that's as bad as it got. Uh, That's when Kelly, Freeze and Brett, her hubby, uh, who is an optometrist or was an optometrist in the Sork Centre, stepped in along with another group and they bought the Palmer House. And she said it was a cornerstone of the community. Tearing it down was just not an option. And uh, Freeze was not originally from Sork Centre, so they didn't know the details about the Palmer's house history, but they just loved the ambience that was there and uh, that's why they decided to buy it. So after taking the Palmer house over in 2002, the Freezes started to work to get it back into um, a working hotel. That would have taken a lot of money and time and effort. And that's about when they started to bring back staying guests who were actually paying to stay there. And, of course, when that happened, that's when apparently unexplainable things also started to happen. Yes, I remember seeing an interview with uh, Kelly, I think her name is, um, and she was saying that she said to her husband, um, you know, I love you very much, dear, but if it comes to you and the, or the hotel, I'll choose the hotel. It was something like that because she's just so passionate about the hotel uh, and loves the place. And that we've found that in other locations as well, that people seem, it's almost like the location calls to them mm-hmm. to bring them in as a caretaker. 
and um, they developed this um, emotional attachment to the location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, it's yeah. It's as though, like you said, the the spirits that are there believe that that particular person is the right person that they can work with, mm-hmm. or have there as the person that is looking after the place. And look, we've encountered in a couple of places that um, we have worked changes of uh, ownership. And when ownership changes, sometimes the place is never the same. Mm. It's like the ghosts don't approve of this new owner and a whole lot of stuff goes wrong. And we've seen some people who almost take on the personality of the previous owners. Um, remember that place down that was going to be the capital? Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm not sure if I should mention the name of it or not. I think it's been sold, actually, or it's up for sale. Uh, it was up for sale, this particular yeah. place. Bombala. Yes, I'm going to say it. it. And the gentleman that... Uh, took over that house, was so passionate about it and the detail and the beauty he created there was astounding. But he seemed to take on the personality of the lady that had lived there that was quite possessive about it. Mm. So that was a very interesting investigation. Mm -hmm. Yes, we weren't allowed to touch anything or breathe in any particular direction. (laughs) Nope. 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 Somebody picked up a bell and rang it. We nearly all got thrown out. (laughs) (laughs) That's your last warning. But we didn't hear the first two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of me. That's that's about the amount of information that I I got for this particular Palmer house. In the 15 minutes you had. (laughs) Yeah. It's just... It, look, she could have gone on for 45 minutes with the Chicago one. I could, <laughs> I could have. Um, but I'm sure the ghost stories are far more entertaining. Oh, we've so, got lots to talk yeah, about. Let's, let's crack through those. But first off, I want to just say that that um, soundscape today came from Marin Longbella, who um, stayed for a weekend at the Palmer House Hotel. And it was from the website twincities.com. So and that was back in 2012. Now, this is another one of these locations that has a menu of rooms. And uh, normally I leave that towards the end, but I'm I'm actually going to tackle that straight away. I've Mm. got quite a list of phenomena Mm -hmm. that happens Mm -hmm. at this location. So some of the locations, we've got room 11, room 17. There's a story about the boy. There's a story about the bones. There's a story about the woman in the red turban. I don't know if you remember that was in the, mm-hmm. the soundscape. They yes, were waiting to be met waiting, by them. Yes. Um, and uh, possession mm-hmm. and ghost adventures went there. Mm-hmm. And not only ghost adventures, but Amy Allen from the Dead Files went there. Oh, did she? Yes. And I've been trying desperately to find where I could watch that episode and I couldn't find it. I couldn't even find a clip of it. Oh, it was very frustrating. Anyway, I know that um, Dave Schrader has been involved with this location. It's one of his favourites um, and ran ran something there. But anyway, let's get on to the various rooms. Now, the lady that owns this uh, place takes great delight in taking you around to all the rooms and explaining to you the, the different phenomena that's happened in every room. Now, this reminds me of the place that we did in another episode, Lemp Mansion. 
mm-hmm. where they had that tour guide that was just so passionate about the the history of the place and the stories of the place. This lady, Kelly, is exactly the same. So this is one of the stories from Room 11 from uh, the ghost book that they have there uh, so people can write down all of their stories within the ghost book. It's mm-hmm. a journal. One guest staying at the hotel in room 11 had his legs outside of the blanket and felt, I know. You must never never, do that. Never put your feet outside the blanket (laughs) or sheet of protection. (laughs) Uh, And felt the sensation as if someone was stroking his legs all through the night. When he got up to look at what was causing this, he didn't see anyone, even though the phenomena continued. Oh, I don't know if I'd like that or not. Um, Many guests that stay in room 11 report it being too cold and hotel staff keep the room heated even when other rooms require the air conditioner to be used. Guests who have stayed in room 11 also report a heavy feeling while being in the room and say that the origin of this energy is in the sink. (laughs) In the sink. In the plug hole. <laughs> they said in the sink. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll, all right, we'll all roll right. with that. All yeah. right. mm-hmm. all right. I'm going on to room 17. Mm-hmm. So now, beware of the sink in room 11. Yeah, just keep clear of that sink. You'll be fine. Right. So if you need to do a quick whiz in the middle of the night and, and there's no toilet in there, don't use the sink. Maybe that's why the sink's haunted. <laughs> Possibly. Mm. If there's a toilet in there, make sure you use your dunny. Toilet. <laughs> WC. Anyway, room 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, a newlywed couple were staying in room 17 and the wife awoke to a tall, slender man by the foot of the bed. He appeared to be from the 1920s or 30s. The couple also reported upon exiting the hotel that their room was too hot and it was as if someone had turned up the heat on them. Mm-hmm. So room 11 was too cold. Now room 17 is too, too hot. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like just air conditioning issues, but anyway. Yep. Now, a- another story that Kelly uh, talks about um, and many of the staff have experienced is what she uh, thinks is the sound of a young boy bouncing a ball down the hall and then chasing after it. Uh, several guests have reported seeing a young boy sitting on the steps leading to the second floor. One guest wrote in the, the guest book, that the little boy has green eyes and dirty blonde hair. Sometimes the living guests get mad about the haunting and have complained about children running through the halls at night, which kept them up even though there were no children in the hotel that night. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the history of the hotel, how does that fit in? It was like a, a den of iniquity before it was burned to the ground and then it just became a hotel. Prostitutes had children. Mm. They could have been looked after by others. Oh, floors remember, down. remember at the Stanley Hotel they had a floor that was dedicated to the children, mm-hmm. um, but that was for the, the rich people who could bring their children and the children were kept out of sight and could play up there. So um, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe. All right. Uh, then we have the woman in the red turban story. Yes. Who is this woman in the red turban? Oh, it's fabulous. <laughs> there was uh, a woman wearing a red turban and a flowing scarf who walked out of the bar into the lobby on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Freese, which is Kelly again, uh, says she was talking to hotel guests when she saw the woman. Uh, but when she turned to ask the woman how she could be of service, the woman 
guess what? Disappear. <gasps> you must be psychic. I know, right? <laughs> uh, now, one of the theories for the hauntings here is that um, it's something to do with the house that burnt down beforehand, but mm-hmm. there was no fatalities in the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of like you need dead people to be to have a haunting sort of thing, unless people are bringing people with them and dropping them off and leaving. Mm. Or is there a portal there that people are coming through? Or mm-hmm. What on earth is going on? Um, now, apparently in the basement, there's a demon dog with glowing red eyes. Right. Of, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, also, a woman that was going into the basement um, claims to have been possessed by a spirit while she was there, and she got featured on Ghost Adventures. Moment of fame. So maybe that's what we need to do. We need to become possessed so we can get on ghost adventures. Right. (laughs) I'll leave that for you. Um, All right. Then we go on to the bones. Oh, yes, the bones. The bones. Uh, Again, this is Kelly. Um, She said that she didn't believe in ghosts until she brought the hotel and has had several encounters now. Uh, But a stranger told her about a dream that directed her to the spot. Now, I think this was in the basement. She said that she dug up in the spot that this person had described what appeared to be rib bones. Human rib bones? Human rib bones. So she popped them into a box and then came back to get them. And when she got back, guess what? They weren't there. The box had disappeared. Oh, my God. The proof, the evidence had gone. Mm. It's magic. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all suspicious. Now, let's get on and, and talk about the ghost adventures that went there. Now, um, as we can see, there's there's stories, mm-hmm. st- lots and lots of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded to me like quite residual stories. Uh, there was also, um, I've got a report here from a paranormal team that went in. I'm, before I do a ghost adventures, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of this information from the paranormal team. Yep. Now, this was the Midwhite Walkers Paranormal Research Society, and they also refer to the, um, the the psychic who stayed a couple of nights and gave the story about the human remains. They talk about the apparition of the little boy, um, who seems to have died from the flu, but he likes to play with a ball throughout the hallways. Also, people have claimed to see the same boy sitting on the third step of the stairs. So That how, sounds very residual, doesn't it? Yeah, but also um, where have they got the information about the little boy with the flu? Now, there was a, a couple of reports on there and all of the reports seem to be regurgitating the stories that had been told by the owner. Mm-hmm. So did the owner have any of her own personal encounters or was she getting stories from other people? All of the above. Okay. So there's also um, issues with room 18 apparently. It said some nights people that are staying in room 18 will hear a person walking around and also the sound like they're taking off their shoes and sitting down on the bed. They later turned to find that nobody was in that room. So I don't know whether they're hearing it from outside the room or whether they're in the room hearing that noise. 
Um, also, other things that have been claimed are that remote, remotes controlled disappear, never to be found. That happens in our house every night, <laughs> yes, I swear. It certainly does. There is the remote fairy that comes and takes it. Um, also, about toilets uh, flushing on their own, but they don't have evidence of any of this. It's just stories that they're regurgitating and telling. Uh, there was a story about the silverware in the dining room that would move on its own. Employees have said to set up tables for the next day to come back and find all the silverware has been moved. Mm-hmm. And we've had that happen somewhere else. Janol and Cave's house. Yeah. So what they did is they set up an experiment where they set the silverware and then they went away and when they came back, they found that one set, instead of sitting lengthways, was now sitting crossways. Of course, they took a photo of it, but there was no video of it. Oh. Um, so you've got no idea whether somebody's come in and done that. Uh, they, they said there was video there, but they, they didn't seem to capture that. Now, when they were in the basement, they um, did hear a strange noise that they couldn't explain. Uh, while walking around, uh, they heard steps coming and a noise from the back of the room. It sounded like uh, some of the boxes full of Christmas decorations were being moved about. When they turned the lights back on to see what had caused it, they couldn't work out what it was. Maybe it was a rat, but they they weren't sure what it was. But, I mean, down in the basement, it Mm -hmm. could be anything. It could be anything. Now, let's get on to Ghost Adventures. And, of course, they had lots of stuff happen when they visited. Oh, it wouldn't be a Ghost Adventures episode if they just walked around and found nothing, would it? No. So this is back when Nick was still on the team. So it was a while ago. Um... They uh, physical contact EMF fluctuations. Oh. Nick, Zach, and the owner felt a force of energy surround them while the EMF detector reached to a 1.0 spike. <gasps> That's just amazing. Oh, it is. <laughs> Do you know that if you hold the millimeter uh, around the middle of the back area, you can get false readings? I'm not saying that they did that, but. <laughs> Yeah, guys, when you're holding your millimetres, make sure you hold them from the bottom or that you place them down using the stand and don't touch them. Don't want to get false positives, do you? No. No. Um, There were some EVPs they got. Uh, One was, I'm following her. No. They're coming to get you. Zach. (laughs) Beckons. No. Aaron, a spirit. Goodwin, make sure they go. That's a lot of EVPs, isn't that's, it? That's a lot. And very, like, very profound, very focused EVPs. I know. Didn't I say them well? Yeah. Anyway, the spirit box, they got Aaron and Goodwin mm-hmm. and a spirit. Um I wish they'd give you what it was in context because that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. And while Zach was messing up the bed, the REM pod flickered. I like it when the REM pods go off. I do like a REM pod. (laughs) Physical harm. You're going to love this one. (laughs) Oh, no. Zach felt like he was tased by something. (laughs) I get to see him going, oh! (laughs) God bless Zach. (laughs) Oh, but there was a lot of static shocks, dragging sounds, clinking glasses, broom hitting the floor. Now, I do remember the broom. There was um, a sound of a broomstick being thrown on the floor 
Uh, but the Ghost Adventures crew seized the broom on the floor that made the sound, but when they left the place a few minutes ago, the broom was against the wall. So they they heard it post that mm-hmm. the, the broom had fallen mm-hmm. um, and it had gone quite a distance. So that was interesting. Oh, and Zach also felt a pinch on his side after he hears the sound of someone walking uh, and he sees a scratch in the same spot that he felt pinched. Zach's special. Oh, he is. He's, he's a magnet. He is a ghost magnet, he is. isn't he? It just a happens everywhere he goes. Magnet. Oh. It's uncanny. But um, I do have some TripAdvisor reviews oh, okay. for you. Okay, yes, let's, let's, let's hear that. I do like my TripAdvisor reviews. <laughs> Crack me up. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H E L P dot com slash P sixty. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp dot com slash P sixty. There's a link for it on today's program guide. All right, this is Brian Hagen, twenty seventeen. Uh, she's from North Dakota. She went for a scare. Is the heading. Mm-hmm. This hotel tends to be sold out quite frequently due to its popularity of being haunted. My friend and I booked a room at the Palmer House about two months in advance. Only two months? If it's booked out a lot, you'd think it'd be further booked out than that. Sorry, I, I digress. We love touring haunted places and are big believers. The property itself is pretty cool because it was built in 1901. There is a bar and restaurant on the property as well. We were booked to stay in the most haunted room, room 17. Mm -hmm. Our room was really two rooms. We had a bedroom and the second room was a large hot tub. All of the staff plays off the haunted theme right away. When we checked in, we were told to say, Hi, Lucy, when we entered our room and to keep a chair open for her. Alas, not one haunted incident happened the entire time we were there. Overall, it wasn't a bad stay. My friend and I had fun. We didn't get the scare we wanted. Maybe the ghosts were off that day. (laughs) 
But what I'm taking from that is that the staff are playing up to the haunted themes as soon as you walk in. Mm -hmm. The idea that the ghost in your room is called Lucy. Mm -hmm. There was a team that was walking through and Lucy's room, um, apparently Lucy was poorly treated in life. There's doors that slam shut. Uh, Now, they actually had the door there and they were showing how it um, doesn't move a great day. And you could hear it moving on the carpet. It was it was difficult to move. But as they were standing there, the door swung shut and shut on them. Yeah. So that that was cool. Of course, mm-hmm. the video wasn't on the door, but you heard it mm-hmm. shut. And the mm-hmm. guy's gone, that just shut behind me. I, I do believe that that was a legitimate thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the big claim to the fame to this particular room is that the temperature drops by request. Oh. So you just have to ask Lucy, and Lucy is quite happy to help you because she was treated so poorly in life. If you are nice to her and say, Lucy, could you please drop the temperature for us? She will do that. And apparently there was a, a team there called Dark Forest Team that the, the temperature was 58 and upon asking Lucy to drop the temperature, it went down to minus one. Oh, my gosh. That's that's a big drop. That's a huge drop. <laughs> that's not comfortable at all. And I, I don't think we're talking Celsius. If they're talking no, Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit. They're, all, they're all popsicles. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Uh, and, and another thing that people will feel a lot throughout the hotel is cobwebs on their face. Uh-huh. And it's not that the there is cobwebs, but that is that energy. And sometimes that's happened to me where I've felt that cobweb sensation. And if it is a spider, I do the spider dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, apparently the spirit of Lewis Sinclair, remember yes, that Lewis, name? Yes, Lewis, uh, yes. The famous local author for which the town does take pride in is said to haunt the very hotel that he was employed as a bellboy. Now, uh, there was a show called Ghost Dare with Chad. (laughs) Chad. (laughs) Ghost Dare with Chad. Oh, Chad, I love your work. It's great. Anyway, they were talking to someone about the basement because I didn't have much information about the basement and that's where people are possessed and that's where Mm -hmm. the demon dog is. Of course it is, yes. Um, And they they still didn't have much to say except this lovely lady he was talking to has done over 100 investigations at that building. I think she was about 21. And uh, (laughs) um, they said that in the basement they see lights, uh, shadow figures, things move. They had a flashlight thrown, Mm -hmm. which is cool. When they said, oh, we had flashlights set up, I'm going, oh, please don't say you were doing the flashlight experiment. Please. But, no, it was actually thrown. Mm. So I like that bit of poltergeist. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were talking about the possible bones found, which is only one person witnessed that. Mm -hmm. That's the owner. Now, there was also a reference on YouTube, a, a show called Haunting Season, which I thought was quite a clever name, Hunting Season, Haunting Season. Mm-hmm. Just that, thinking whether I've seen any of that or not. That bodies were stored there during the flu epidemic. Oh. I don't. I have seen no reference to that anywhere else unless I was getting it confused with the Chicago one. But I just thought that was a little bit of um, – interesting thing that maybe there were bodies there, but even then, just because there was bodies there doesn't mean that's going to be haunted. Now, we went on to uh, this this haunting season, which was a YouTube clip, and they went into room 22. Now, this is supposed to be Raymond's room, and Raymond is apparently a grumpy, crotchety spirit. 
Now, I was watching the video of this and they were doing a really good job. They they heard a knock yep. and they said, can you do it again? Sure enough, it knocked. Um, so they got up to debunk it. They've gone upstairs and they've moved the bed and, and everything around trying to, to work out if that's what it was. Then they've gone into the room next door, which would either be 11 or 9, I assume. While they're in there, they heard the knock, knock, but it sounded like it was coming from the other room on the other side. Mm-hmm. So they've gone back into the guys and said, have you knocked? They've gone, no, we thought that was you. And it sounded like it was coming from within the wall between the two rooms. Uh-huh. Uh, and, look, this is something I do. If we ever stay in a haunted hotel and I hear a knock or some sort of noise during the night, instead of pulling up the sheet of protection, I, I sort of sit up a little bit and I go, if that was you, can you do two knocks so I know? <laughs> and I lay there listening for the two knocks. Never seems to happen. But um, if I can make some sort of communication in the time that they're willing to talk, I'll do it mm-hmm. happily. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they also – oh, this was cool. Um, I'll see if I can find this video again and put it up for you guys when uh, this this episode comes out. But they had walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were down in the uh, the main foyer area and they were just talking about, you know, what they were going to do next. And all of a sudden on the walkie-talkie comes this, like it's turning on and off, and then they hear children's voices. <gasps> oh, that, see, that would have been cool. Ooh, I've got that would have been awesome. It was. And you can see the look on their faces. They're shocked. Yeah. They're going, what the duck? And um, they, she held it up. She didn't press the button or anything. Uh, and they've gone, uh, can you do that again? And they waited and waited. And there's crackling noises turning on, turning on. And then they heard another little bit of a voice. Mm-hmm. But it was distinctly a child's voice. Now, normally paranormal investigators are ex- investigating into the wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. This, this didn't look like it was at the start. This looked like it was well into it. Yeah. Uh, so whether it was a kid on a walkie-talkie, but they sounded like they were five-ish. If you were asking them to do it again, would you press the button and talk into it and say, can you do that again for me, please, mm-hmm. and then release it? Or would you just hold the walkie-talkie and say, can you do that again, please? What would you do? I'd probably press the button. Yeah, that's... I thought so too because for me if there is a living human at the other end they'll respond and go oh hi who's this um even a child would respond mm-hmm. um so i i sort of wish they had done that mm-hmm. i think they were just in such shock <laughs> uh they also had put out a red ball out into the hallway uh and the hope was that this child who has died and has seen there quite often would come and play with it. Now, this was, they just put it out there. They hadn't set up the cameras or anything yet. And they came back ready to set up the cameras. And the ball had rolled about 10 metres mm-hmm. into room 10, which is one of the active rooms. Oh, right. And it was one of the few rooms that had a light on in it. So they're thinking, was the child moving the, the ball into the room? Mm-hmm to um, somewhere that was safe because the light was on. I, I, I don't know. I thought the ghosts liked the dark. But maybe it's just us. Anyway, let's come down to our thoughts on this whole thing, shall we? I have to say I I don't know. I I love history. I want to know where and why these ghosts are there. I, w- I want to know why they're there. What, yeah. what has brought them there? And we have little knowledge yeah. of who these 
ghosts belong to. Normally there's some sort of trauma or something attached to a location yeah. of murder or suicide or wrongful death or accidental death. Um, there was a fire, but there were no casualties. Um, now, here's, here's a few little thoughts I jotted down. Firstly, the town has no claim to fame mm-hmm. apart from that author. So to have a haunted building there, and as they said in some of those comments, the locals really like the idea that there's people coming to the Palmer House and sort of tend to play in with it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's bringing tourism to the town, which is wonderful. And if the town's got nothing else to offer. That's true. It held its first seminar. At the Palmer House? Yes. January 18 to 20, 2008, and they had TV personalities such as Chris Fleming, Patrick Burns, um, Dave Schrader. Hey, hey, Dave. Um, And it was featured on Season 7 of Ghost Adventures. It was featured on the ninth season of The Dead Files. Uh, And while Amy was there, she was confronted by a dark presence attempting to take control of her physical being. Now, my question is, so this was episode, season, what was it, of The Dead Files? Season four? No, ninth season. So mm-hmm. that's nine years of The Dead Files, um, which would have not been that long ago, and people have been telling the stories of the demon dogs and the possessions in the basement and and all of these things. Are these people creating these energies? Well... You know, if you tell a story long enough, some of it sticks. It's like Maitland Jail and the stories behind Satan's cell. Mm -hmm. No matter how much we try not to tell them, most people will come in and ask about it or Mm -hmm. they'll come into that wing and say, I I know a story about this. They might not know which cell number, but they want to find out. So we keep these myths and legends alive. Yeah, but we we try to debunk it, but they don't believe us. No, they don't want to know. There is no evidence whatsoever about that cell in uh, the jail, but they still, apparently we know nothing when we tell them there's no historical facts. Anyway, um, now this, what my biggest question is, is, how do we know these entities? How do we know about Lucy and Raymond and the little boy? Uh, now, the owner admits that the reports and the information about these entities have been gathered over many years from different psychics, mediums, and investigators. She's collated it all together mm-hmm. and tells the story based on what this plethora of people mm-hmm. have told her. I would be searching for the connections mm-hmm. between these particular spirits and people who may have had tragedy happen to them somewhere close by or yeah. uh, on the site. Or And they, look, there could be stories there. Yeah, we're not but saying we yeah, that we, they're, they're, they're lying or anything, but she created a fantastic haunted hotel yes. for paranormal investigators to come and stay the night and have a great time. I will say that a lot of the comments said that you're made to feel like family when you're there. They're very willing to share their information and they're they're beautiful people. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we need to let these spirits lie. I think so too. 
So thank you for joining us this week on True Hauntings. I hope you have enjoyed our story this week. If you have, share this podcast around with your friends and let them know of the madness of Anne and Renata. Also leave us a review if you can on iTunes. Join us in our community on Facebook, which is True Hauntings, or Anne and Renata Frightfully Good. Don't forget, we've also got a YouTube channel called Anne and Renata and a TikTok account. Oh, and Instagram. We've got everything. Let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> You're so full of joy, Renata. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. And we will see you next week. In the on meantime, the dark side. See you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.